ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. The sun comes up like before 6 o'clock now. It's like the sun is up earlier than even I get up on these Sundays when I'm preparing for this show. Beautiful day. Was driving with the windows down at 6 a.m. this morning. It's wonderful stuff. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call and join in on the conversation on this big sports day, you can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, at around 945 today, our in-house ESPN radio golf expert, and the host of Backspin Golf that you can hear here on ESPN Radio, uh, Matthew Lawrence. You can hear his show every uh, Sunday morning, the Backspin Golf show every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock right here. Matthew Lawrence will join us to talk about the final round of the U.S. Open today. I kind of like it when these tournaments, these U.S. Opens are on the West Coast because they last late into the evening and, uh, you know, more time to get your action down, but that's just me. The NBA playoffs continue and uh, the favorites Lost a close one last night in Game 7. And we've got another Game 7 today. Do you trust the process in that one? We'll tell you our thoughts. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's all that, that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. We thank you for joining us. But first, Bobby Abreu. Who is Bobby Abreu? Why are you bringing him up? Why do you always bring up these these guys that nobody's ever heard of? No, you've heard of Bobby Abreu. Well, you remember him. If you saw him, you, you know who he is. He played in the major leagues for 18 years. A career 291 hitter with 2,470 base hits. Not exactly Pete Rose, but hey, 2,470 base hits, that's a lot. Back in the day, the Phillies got him in a trade in 1996 with the Astros, and they traded him for Magic Beans, a banjo-hitting shortstop named Kevin Stocker. And one of the most lopsided deals of that era, right up there with Scott Rowland for Edwin Encarnacion. But I digress. In fact, Bobby Abreu caused one of the funniest and most memorable controversies in my entire fantasy baseball career. In 1999... A bunch of my friends and I gathered for our annual fantasy baseball draft. It's always a good time. A bunch of crazy guys just having fun, insulting each other. Yeah, what do you think? The same old stuff. And as we're picking players, a guy goes surprisingly early in our draft. And the guy's name was Hideki Arabu. You may remember Hideki Arabu. He was a pitcher from the Japanese League. They came over to the Yankees. George Steinbrenner paid big money for him to save his franchise. Well, that franchise really didn't need a whole lot of saving at that point because the Yankees were right in the middle of winning four World Series in five years. But Hideki Arabu wound up being a very overrated bust, to say the least. So overrated that George Steinbrenner classically called him a fat toad. 
Can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. But at this 1999 fantasy baseball draft I was at, some guy took Hideki Arabu very early, way earlier than you would expect him to go in these drafts. And of course, in these draft rooms of scoundrels and shoving your own mother out of the way just to get a drink of water, nobody said anything. You just let it go. Hey, who cares? Why not? Dude took Hideki Arabu early. It's his loss, our gain. Too bad, so sad. Mark him off your list. Let's move forward. More for us. Not long after that, I looked at my little draft list that I had, and I drafted this Bobby Abreu guy. Oh, no big deal. Bobby Abreu, good player at that time. Power, batting average, stole bases. Usually a 20-20 guy at that point in his career. Good pick. Good fantasy baseball pick. Always was a good fantasy baseball pick. Was better at fantasy than he was in real life. So, okay, mark him off your list. Next pick, who's up? A few rounds later, that guy who drafted Hideki Arabu walks over to me where I'm sitting, and he whispers in my ear. He points to my paper. He goes, who did you take right here? And he's pointing to that little draft where I took Bobby Abreu. I go, yeah, I took Bobby Abreu right here. Then he goes, is that the guy from the Phillies? I said, yes. <laughs> he says, okay. Pats me on the back, goes back to his seat. I said, like, oh, whatever. I guess he just didn't know who he took there. Made a mistake. He's, he's over it. Must be drinking little, uh, his coffee must be spiked over there, if you know what I mean. So when it comes back to his turn, the guy won't pick a player because he's complaining that he took Hideki Arabu but wanted to take Bobby Abreu and demands that he is awarded Abreu and I get the rights to Hideki Arabu instead. <laughs> Seriously. No way, man. I'm not going to suffer for your mistake. You took Irabu, I took Abreu. Nobody said a word at the time, but when he picked him, but several rounds later, he says, oh, I made a mistake. I got to change that. Well, no. Here comes the fireworks. Here comes the guy drama. It's something like you'd see backstage at a WWF event, you know, and eventually, of course, the entire league sided with me, and the dude had to keep Adeki Irabu, and I got to keep Bobby Abreu. My friend, uh, big play Jay Wright from that league uh, in Atlanta, he often listens to this show online, WLXG.com. He and I discuss this story quite often because it's very memorable. But the moral of that story, don't have too many pops when you're drafting your fantasy teams. It could lead to Hideki Arabu over Bobby Abreu. But Bobby Abreu was a very good player. He wasn't a great player, but a really good player. He won't get into the Hall of Fame, although he's still on the ballot getting 8.7% of the Hall of Fame votes last year. You have to get 75. But he remains on the ballot going up to next year. But why are we talking about Bobby Abreu today? What's he got to do with anything today? He's been gone for a while. Nobody cares. In 2005, Bobby Abreu was an all-star. And Abreu took part in the home run derby that season. And in that home run derby, Abreu set a record for the number of home runs hit in a home run derby. Now, of course, back then, the home run derby wasn't timed. It was a lot different than it is now. Of course, today, you've got to relate to the kids. You can't have people lying around. You've got to have it timed. You've got to have fast-paced action because baseball is too slow for the kids of today. Should have thought about that 30 years ago, but that's either here or there. 
But Abreu had the most home runs in a home run derby of all time up to that point. And Abreu was 31 years old. All-star, home run derby champ. Heading into the all-star break, is it batting average that year? 307 with 18 home runs, 58 RBIs. Great. I'll buy stock in him today. He's going to be great. Immediately. Most people did. But something happened to Bobby Abreu right after that all that home run derby. He went the tank. His second half that season was a mystery. The rest of the season, after that home run derby, a 260 batting average, but only six home runs. He wasn't hurt. He played all he played every game. How'd he hit only six home runs after the All-Star break when he hit about 150 the night of the home run derby? This was the home run derby champion. So from that point on, Bobby Abreu became the poster child for guys who would hit a bajillion home runs at the home run derby and then go on to be a second-half bust, never being the same guy again. Ironically, in the eight years before that home run derby, Bobby Abreu averaged a 305 batting average with 23 home runs per season. In the eight years after that home run derby, he averaged 277 batting average 12 home runs per season. He never made another All-Star game. He never was the player he was before that home run derby. So when you hear of someone dominating the home run derby, even 16 years later, the Bobby Abreu whispers start up because he was the guy who was never the same player, and the numbers prove it out. But it doesn't stop there, and it's actually happened to the Reds. In 2015, Todd Frazier, you may remember him. He was an all-star for a lousy Reds team, and I mean lousy. In fact, he made the all-star game that year, and Joey Votto didn't. Oh, no big deal, though. Votto only hit 314 with 29 home runs that season. Who cares? Frazier was the best player because he made the all-star game. Well, Frazier won the home run derby that year in his home park. They played that game, the home run derby, the all-star game. They played it that year in Cincinnati. And what eventually ended up being a 64-98 and season for the Reds. Frazier hit pre-All-Star game that year. He hit 284 with 25 home runs. After the All-Star game, after the home run derby, he hit 220 with 10 home runs. And even then, the whispers of Bobby Abreu started up again. In case you don't know it, Todd Frazier is still actually hanging around the major leagues. He's with the Pirates right now. But he's a bit player on a lousy team there. He's just holding on and cashing paychecks at this point. Frazier never made an all-star game and certainly not a home run derby after that one year, 2015. He was traded by the Reds next year and has a career batting average of 224 since that home run derby that he won in 2015. So Todd Frazier, another example of why the home run derby can kill a career. So why are we talking about Bobby Abreu and Todd Frazier today? Reports came out yesterday that Jesse Winker, the Reds' new superstar, he'll be in the home run derby next month. Uh Uh-oh. If you're a Reds fan, sure, you want to see a Reds player at the All-Star game. You want to see him at the home run derby. Yeah, you want to see that if you're a Reds fan. But do you really want to see him in it? I sure wouldn't. Jesse Winker sitting right now, 17 home runs, but he hasn't hit a home run in exactly two weeks now since hitting three home runs in a game 
two weeks ago today. And Winker isn't just a home run hitter this season. He's second in the National League in several categories. Batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, total bases. Second in the National League in all those categories. He's been as good as anybody offensively in the National League this year. But with the Reds struggling just to stay in contention in this National League Central race, seeing Jesse Winker would give the franchise some visibility at this All-Star game in this home run derby. But it wouldn't spell a great second half for Winker or for the team. But if Bobby Abreu, and for that matter, Hideki Arabu, taught us anything back in the day, winning the home run derby could be the worst thing that could ever happen for a player. So if you're asking me, do I want to see Jesse Winker in that home run derby that he's allegedly and rumored to be participating in in just a few weeks? Hey, if you're a fan, go for it. But if you live in the real world, I wouldn't want to see it. And that's just me because that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call in. The Reds lost again last night for the third time in three games out in San Diego. Losing 8-6. to six. In a game where they had an early lead, but, uh, you know, it's the Reds' bullpen. What do you expect? David Bell, Joey Votto ejected uh, over a strike call early. By the way, what do you think those guys do? What do you think David Bell and Joey Votto do when they get ejected in the first inning of a game or very early in a game? You think they just sit in the the office within their sock feet, their big tube socks, and uh, drinking Paps Blue Ribbon and laughing at Jeff Brantley announcing the game? That's probably exactly what they do. That's the way I envision it anyway. Vladimir Gutierrez did not have it yesterday. He gave up five runs in five innings. That's the first really bad start he's had this season. He had been pretty good leading up to that. But the game had set up well for the Reds yesterday, like we talked about. Uh, Getting the Padres starter out after two innings, and the Reds were winning that game when when the Padres starter left, something we kind of warned you about on this show yesterday. But the Padres' bullpen gave up three runs in seven innings, and that was without their two main setup guys, Begon and Stamen, who had been overused in the previous two games. And as we've seen many times this year, when a game is tied late and it comes down to a battle of the bullpens, the Reds, they often lose that matchup. Reds' bullpen ERA currently 5.74 for the season. The next worst, Detroit, 529 So the Reds' bullpen is giving up almost a half run more per nine innings than the next worst bullpen. It may not seem like a lot, but it's a lot, I promise you. By the way, here's what tells you everything you need to know about this. Who has the best bullpen ERAs in Major League Baseball? Who are the top three? Cubs, number one. San Diego, ironically, number two. Tampa Bay, number three. What do all three of those teams have in common? They're winners, and they'd be in the playoffs if the season ended today. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> have a good These days especially, if you have a good bullpen, you have a good team. That's just how it is. So if the Reds want to have any chance of making the playoffs this season, they need to get bullpen help, and they need to get it soon. We've been told TJ Antone will return very soon, either in the next two or three days we've been told, and he's been easily the best bullpen guy the Reds have had this year. And where is this Michael Lorenzen guy? Yeah, he's still alive. He, you know, 
Remember last year he said he wanted to pitch in every game and then play in the outfield too. Well, let's not get carried away. They say, they say Lorenzen needs another month. But those two guys alone, it's not enough to get this team over the edge, especially when you see guys like Amir Garrett. That's another story. The best news for the Reds yesterday is that the Cubs lost. So the Reds are still three games behind in the National League Central. So despite losing three in a row, the Reds have only lost one game in the standings during this lost weekend in San Diego. On May the 20th, Jonathan India was sitting with a 218 batting average, was rarely getting starts in the lineup, and when he did, he was batting eighth, just ahead of the pitcher in the lineup. But after three hits yesterday, Jonathan India now is batting 262 for the season. And you have to argue he's easily the best player to be leading off for this team right now. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. If you had asked me on May the 20th when he was hitting 218 and rarely starting, I would have said, hey, he's going to the minors. This, it's easy. They're going to send him to Louisville soon, get him some action, maybe call him back up later, but eh, we'll see. But they needed him to come along because Mike Bustakis, as they announced yesterday, now moved to the 60-day injured list. That's not good. It's not good at all. So they need Jonathan India, not just to keep playing every day, but keep batting leadoff and keep hitting because he has been a big part of this Reds turnaround up until the last three days. But speaking of the last three days, game four of this disastrous series in San Diego will commence today starting at 340 right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. Padres, a minus-145 favorite over the Reds as we sit here today. The Nelson Lamott for the Padres, 1-2, and two, 3.33 ERA. And opening day starter, Luis Castillo for the Reds, 2-9, and nine, 5.83 ERA. Huh. Five. Starts with a five now instead of a seven. Lamett has been a good pitcher this year, but in the COVID season of 2020, he was outstanding. Last year... Lamette uh, finished fourth in the Cy Young voting with a 2.09 ERA in 12 starts. His ERA plus 199, meaning he was 99% better than the average pitcher last year. He was very good. When you finish fourth in the Cy Young, COVID season or no COVID season, it's very impressive. This year, however, he hasn't been uh, the same. Starting the season injured, he didn't last. He doesn't last very long in his starts now because of it. Although his ERA is 3.33, he has not gone more than five innings in any of his seven starts, and he's done that only once this year. So they're obviously babying this guy, but the Padres are 2-5, and and Lamette starts this season, and the Padres were favored in four and five of those seven games. So in the desert, the Padres were supposed to win five of the seven times that Lamette started, but they've only won two of those seven games. Uh, not living up to expectations. And in his career, the Padres are 24 and 30 when Lamette starts. Even for a guy who was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball last season. Uh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Of course, our old pal, Luis Castillo, he goes for the Reds today. 5.83 ERA for the season. Oh, he's been awful. What a bust. Hey, the numbers say he's turning things around lately. On May 23rd, Luis Castillo had an ERA of 7.61, and he was the worst starting pitcher in all of Major League Baseball on that day. Since then, he's made four starts, 
with a 2.28 ERA in 23 and two-thirds innings. And the Reds are 2-2 two and two in those four starts. So Castillo is on the way up. But the numbers tell us this isn't a good spot for Castillo in his career. When the Reds are a road underdog in Castillo starts, which is the spot today, the Reds are 13-20 and 20 lifetime when Castillo's a road dog. Minus 14.2% return on investment out in the desert. Ouch. That's not very good. After this one today, the Reds hop a plane for a two-game set with Minnesota against the Twins. Let's see. Let's see how this road trip played out. Who's the Lewis and Clark that scheduled this? All right, let's have a road trip at Milwaukee. Then we're going to San Diego and then back to Minnesota. Who made these travel plans? Some travel agent. Do they still have travel agents, by the way? Do we need travel agents anymore? Do they still exist? If there's travel agents out there, hey, give us a call. 859-381-1313. But yeah, why do you go Milwaukee to San Diego to Minnesota? Can you just go to San Diego first and then clip off Milwaukee and Minnesota at the same time, basically? I Yeah. Somebody made some money off this. I'd like to know who. Yeah. Nice scheduling there. But the Reds need to get some wins in before a big four-game set at Great America Ballpark with the Braves next weekend. As we said earlier, the Braves, or excuse me, Braves, of course, Padres, minus 145 out in the desert in this one. Unlike yesterday, the Reds have some serious value. They had a big number yesterday. I was on them yesterday. Not on them today. In fact, it's Padres or nobody in this one. But at minus 145, we'll take nobody. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call. Coming up after the break, you know what's coming up. It's the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line, Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call or if you wear your sunglasses at night for that matter. That was a good song back then. Whatever happened to that guy, Corey Hart? Probably can't see because he wears his sunglasses at night. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday morning. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Getting some uh, feedback on our opening little monologue about the home run derby. Our good friend Alan Stein, our... uh, Reds expert in-house here at ESPN Radio says, I agree with you, Brad. Don't do it, Jesse. Yeah. People see people have seen this home run derby take down people before. It's happened. And Alan Stein, we don't really agree on a lot when it comes to baseball and other stuff, but hey, we finally agree on something, Alan. It's great. Hey, we're coming around. We're coming around as as friends, as pals. Thank you, Alan Stein, for chiming in. We appreciate it as always. NBA playoffs last night. The Bucks and Nets. Course, Game 7. Yeah, the Nets blew this one as a favorite. They had every chance to win this one. They lost 115-111 in overtime. That second round series is over. Bucks go on as uh, they were a two-point. They ended up a two-point dog. It started Nets one-point dog. The public, even us, we were on the Nets last night. And uh, the Bucks won it somehow. Game went over. Brooklyn's little super team of Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. Yeah, they're done. They blew Game 7 as a favorite. Killing our little trend that we go. Kevin Durant, of course, as only he does, uh, airballs a shot. 
to win it in overtime. Oh, well, Super Team is done. Giannis advances somehow, although he airballs free throws. It takes about 45 seconds every time he shoots a free throw. Uh, Budenholzer, who would have been fired five minutes after the game last night if they had lost, well, he gets uh, to cash paychecks another day. Of course, he refuses to double-team Durant when he's the only guy that was doing anything for the Nets. Eh, great coaching move. Of course, these I noticed last night, especially these Game 7s, there's no bench. The, I mean, there's maybe six players. I mean, I understand shortening your bench in the playoffs, but, jeez, there's no bench in these playoffs. Last night, especially. Every, yeah, I get it in Game 7, but there was nothing last night. Oh, well, the Bucks move on, and they just eliminated three of the best players in the league. So, the Nets super team, success or failure? Oh, yeah, failure. Anytime you get three guys like that, you lose in the conference semifinals. Yeah. So, as of right now, the odds to win the NBA championship, the Milwaukee Bucks are your favorite team, plus 160. Phoenix, plus 275. The Sixers, plus 400. Clippers, plus 425. And the Hawks, that's a big number here, plus 2,800. You put down $1 on the Hawks, you get back 28 if they win. Yeah, not, not a bad, uh, but they have to win today. Two NBA games today. First, game one of the Western Conference Finals. Suns and Clippers. By the way, who had the Suns in this spot back before the season started? Better yet, who had them hosting game one of the Conference Finals back before the season? Stop lying. You did not. I promise you, you did. Suns, a four-point favorite in this one. Total 221. Superstars are out. Kawhi's out for the Clippers. Chris Paul out for the Suns. By the way, has there ever been a more underrated player than Chris Paul in NBA history? Uh-huh. You're shaking your head no. Oh, he's never won in the playoffs. You're right. He's never won in the playoffs. Never won at Wake Forest. You're right. Never won at Wake Forest. But go look at his numbers. Go look what he's done. Yeah, he's played on some lousy teams. That's no excuse. But I will put him right in that little tier with David Robinson as players who might be the top 20 players of all time but gets absolutely no credit for it. You don't hear anybody mention David Robinson when they talk about the greatest players of all time. You look at David Robinson's numbers, tremendous. He carried terrible teams back in the 90s. All of a sudden you get Tim Duncan, you've got a dynasty. But still, David Robinson, Chris Paul, probably for my money, the two most underrated num uh, players in NBA history, that's another story for another day. Just go look at their numbers, especially those efficiency ratings. Crazy. But anyway, Suns-Clippers game one today. Uh, we like the Suns. We like the Suns quite a bit. Favorites in these NBA playoffs, still 61%. 43-28 against the spread. And if you look at uh, favorites who are getting the most money out in the desert, they're hitting 64% against the spread. Clippers only going to have to lay four? We'll take that. We'll take the Suns today. And uh, put it up against the Clippers. Clippers, who are they without Kawhi? We might find one game in, uh, against the Jazz is one thing. Let's find out in a seven-game series against the Suns. We'll take the Suns today, laying the four. But we've got another loser-leave-town match today. Game seven, Hawks and, and, and Sixers tonight in Philly. Sixers, seven-point favorite. Total 216 in this one. Seven really seems like a lot in this spot, especially for a game seven. We told you about the favorites and how they've been killing it in these playoffs. If you're looking at straight up, since 2005, favorites in Game 7, straight up, 71%, 37-15. That's since 2005. 
And if you're looking to play totals in this game tonight, Game 7, the under, conventional wisdom, hey, it's right on this one. Conventional wisdom says, let's take the under in these Game 7s. Well, if you've done that since 2005, you've hit 62%, 32-20. and 20. If you go under in a Game 7 in the NBA playoffs, uh, do we like to lay 7 in the Sixers in a Game 7? Don't like it, but you know what I do like? I do like the under in this one. Do like the under. Let's take a game seven under. Two teams playing tight. Two teams, everything to lose. I've seen this from the Hawks before. I've seen them, believe me, I've seen a lot of teams in Atlanta blow opportunities like this. This is going to be another one, I'm afraid. But I don't think they'll go down without a fight. But let's say under the total in this one. So there you go. We'll take the Suns as a favorite today, and we'll take the under in this game seven. Major League Baseball today. Quite a few games with a lot of value if you're looking at the card. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Colorado, we love those games. Detroit, too. You're getting a lot of value on these teams. But there's one game that we're looking at in Major League Baseball today. The Cleveland Indians are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates today at PNC Park. Cleveland Indians, 38-30 on the season. Pittsburgh Pirates, 25-44. Oh, the Cleveland Indians must be just running all over these teams. No. First two games of this series, Pittsburgh has defeated Cleveland. Not exactly what Cleveland needed in a spot like this. Trying to compete, trying to make the playoffs. You're eight games over. You're a few games behind the White Sox and that old kook, Tony Larissa. Yeah, we got to win these games against the Pirates if you're Cleveland. So who's favored in this game today? Oh, Cleveland's going to bounce back. No. Pittsburgh is favored today. Huh. JT Brubaker. For Pittsburgh, 4-5 with a 3.88 ERA. Sam Hentges for the Cleveland Indians, 1-1, 7.57 ERA. Goodness gracious, why is he even in the league, much less starting in a big game like this one? Pirates have won both these games. Both of them were save opportunities. Cleveland has not used their two best pitchers in the bullpen, Classe or Siniak. Neither one of those guys have pitched in the last two days. While Pittsburgh has used all their bullpen, including their closer, Rodriguez. So if you're going to ask me today, who do I like in this Cleveland game? Pittsburgh is a minus 125 over Cleveland. Well-rested bullpen. Pittsburgh's bullpen, not well-rested at all. Yeah, you got a little struggle with the starting pitcher. I'm getting the better team in Cleveland. And I got a well-rested bullpen. And you don't think Henkins is going to last seven innings? You think they're going to leave him out there to get bombed? No, they're not. They need to win this one. Pittsburgh... They're just holding on for dear life. They're just happy to be there, cashing paychecks every day. They're not winning anything this year. They can win 19 in a row. They still be 500. Still won't even be in the playoffs. Let's take Cleveland today. You're getting odds? You're going to give me some value today with Cleveland. Love this spot for Cleveland. Give us Cleveland plus 115, wherever you can find them. Anything plus money. Cleveland today over Pittsburgh. We don't want to say the wrong team's favored because the desert doesn't make mistakes. Eh. I think if we were putting a number together, I think I would put Cleveland as a favorite in this one. Regard, we, you, that's the thing about Major League Baseball, especially with these bullpens. Back in the day, when these starting pitchers went seven, eight, nine innings, basically when you're handicapping games, you're handicapping starting pitchers. Now you can't do that so much. These starting pitchers, even the best, go six, and that's it. So if you want to play starting pitchers, go look play to play first five innings because you don't have to bet the full game. You can bet the first five innings in a lot of these games. If you're looking to play pitchers, bet the first five. Really can play teams, bullpens especially. Let's play Cleveland today. Get the odds. Good value today. So that's our Mac Daddy Stogie Major League Baseball. 
But the final round of the U.S. Open today. Louis Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen. I always, I never get that right. Russell Headley and Mackenzie Hughes all atop the leaderboard. Five under par. Be nerve-wracking. I bet it was nerve-wracking going to sleep for those guys last night. Oosthuizen has been here before, though. But the other guys, eh, haven't heard of him. Oosthuizen, three to one right now. He's the favorite. Henley is the fourth, six to one. Hughes, nine to one to win this tournament. But of course, sitting at about five to one right now, former U.S. Open winners Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau, both two shots back at three under par. DeChambeau uh, looks poised for a little bit of a slump, if you ask us. He scored lower in each three rounds of this tournament. So he's gone, started well, and he's kind of faded ever since. Plus, he's the defending champion of this event, U.S. Open winners. They don't defend the championship, mainly because they play on different courses. But still, it's too tough to defend your championship of this tournament. Conversely, John Rahm has shot progressively worse each day as well. He was the pre-tournament favorite at about 10 to 1. Right now, he's still at 10 to 1. Played a solid round, one over yesterday, despite not hitting many fairways. If the putter gets hot for Rahm today, he should be right there in the mix. Rory McIlroy seems to make a good charge on Sundays when he's not in contention in these tournaments, but he hasn't been able to close the deal in the final round, so that's not a guy we're looking at. If you're looking to play an underdog, if you're really a gambler, I think he can go down to about minus one. Get, get the, if you're looking for the winner in this, go down to about four shots out, minus one. Anybody in that little group from minus one and up, they can win. Scott Scheffler, 20 to one. I'm not sure you can bank on a guy who's never won another tournament in his life. But he's played well here. And, you know, they haven't, nobody has won this tournament as their first win since 1969. A nice year indeed. But 9 1, I think anybody at that point and, a be, and better has a shot in this thing. Personally, if I had to uh, pick a guy right now, I think it's John Robb. He's going to be headed back to the winner's circle. He has won a tournament here on this course before. And if I'm not mistaken, from what I read, uh, he actually proposed to his wife, and they got married on this golf course. I don't know if that's 100% right, but eh, that's okay. So there you go, our Mac Daddy Stogies for today. We like the Suns laying the points in the uh, NBA playoffs. We'll go under in Game 7, Philly and the Hawks. We've seen this from the Hawks before. Love Cleveland over Pittsburgh in Major League Baseball. And, uh, yeah, let's take John Rom to win this. I'm still getting 10-to-1 odds going into the last round. There you go. We'll take John Rom. There are your Mac Daddy Stogies. Not as Sure about the golf. We don't play the golf all the time, but hey, we like to play matchups. Speaking of matchups, we're going to speak matchups with our good friend and our in-house ESPN Radio golf expert and the host of Backspin Golf right here, Matthew Lawrence. He'll be joining us right after the break here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Today is the final round of the U.S. Open, so it's a perfect time to have on our next guest, live from an undisclosed golf course somewhere, somehow. He's a man who needs no introduction to loyal listeners of ESPN Radio. He is the host of The Drive, which can be heard every weekday afternoon at 4 o'clock here on ESPN Radio. And you can hear him on Backspin Golf, Sunday mornings at 8. And he's the man who basically gave Eddie Murphy the career that he has today. He's our friend, Matthew Lawrence. Matthew, thanks for joining us on this championship, U.S. Open Championship Sunday. 
You know, Brad, it's nice that somebody, somebody finally acknowledged that I gave Eddie Murphy his career. Of course, I mean, yes. We call a spade a spade on this show, absolutely. You're the man who put Eddie Murphy in his spot, yes. Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, we were talking right before we went on the air. Uh, you're having an issue with the coverage of the U.S. Open. You're not very happy with it. What's wrong with this TV coverage of the Open for you? Well, uh, as anybody who listens to my show knows, um, I am the commentary on not only this Open, but every PGA Tour event, I think is terrible. And I think it has been for a while. I'm not talking technically. I'm talking about commentary. And uh, the things that I heard, unfortunately, and it's really sad because I mute most of the coverage. I'll watch the golf and I'll mute most of the coverage. Um, and the things that are, that are being said on this U.S. Open, tell, first of all, let me say, the coverage has been switching between Peacock and the Golf right. Channel and NBC. And luckily, I get Peacock. Um, and, you know, I've been able to kind of switch around, but there are, very, there are a lot of people who can't do that. And it's confusing, and it's sometimes the Peacock coverage is not great. I mean, technically, it's not great. It buffers. It does different things. Um, it's just been, it's kind of been as a hard watch for me, this Open. And Torrey Pines, is, it's a great golf course. I've been very fortunate to play it numerous times. But when you play a regular tour event every year at the course where they're playing the Open, it's just, it seems different. It doesn't seem special to me. Uh, and that was right from the beginning. I know that they've made it an open course with the rough and how long it is and all that. The vistas are among the most beautiful in the world. But they are that for the Farmers Insurance Tournament, which is every year. And it was only a few months ago at that. So uh, I, it just it hasn't been fun for me. And that's sad because it's the freaking U.S. Open. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's look at this leaderboard. I've heard of Louis okay. Ace, Louis Ace and I've heard of him. Russell Henley? Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes? Uh, I'm not big. Uh, I'm not yeah. big experts. If I told you right now I could take these three guys or the field, who would you take, Matthew Lawrence? Uh, I'd have to take the field, right. although I think Louie has a pretty good chance. If he plays plays well today, I would take Louie uh, to win this Open um, because of his ball striking and his if his putter is on, he's been having a little issue with his putter, but he's still right there. Russell Henley, by the way, was born in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, he was? In a hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. I did not know. Uh, they moved, his, yeah, his family moved to Macon, Georgia when he was very young. But uh, David Faraday on the broadcast actually said the other day, uh, he's from Lexington, Kentucky. And I got immediately got texts from people saying, he's not from, and sure enough, when they went to look it up. But he, was, he didn't live here very long. Um, Mackenzie Hughes is, would be the first Canadian to ever win a USGA tournament. Uh, so, uh, as great as he played yesterday, I'm, I don't think that he'll do it today. I think Louie has a chance. I'm actually sitting here at this undisclosed golf course somewhere in the world, uh, with 
uh, one of my best friends and somebody you know pretty well. His name is Cullum, which is a very Irish name. And uh, we are both rooting very hard for Rory McIlroy, who hasn't won a major in seven years. And this year, there have been a lot of people who haven't done something for a long time. And it just seems like this might be the, the day for Rory. You say what, Colin? Yeah, he shot 67 yesterday. And uh, if he does anything like that today, he will win this U.S. Open. But there, it's a very international leaderboard as well. You have John Rahm from Spain. You have uh, Louis from South Africa, a Canadian, a bunch of Americans. Uh, I just want to see a great back nine. That's what I want to see with Rory standing holding the U.S. Open trophy. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, with Matthew Lawrence and Collie Taylor from an undisclosed uh, golf course somewhere in central Kentucky. I know you're a big fan of Bryson DeChambeau. He and Rory McIlroy just lurking down there at minus three, two shots behind. DeChambeau started off well. His rounds have got progressively worse. What would it do to you, Matthew Lawrence, if he wins this U.S. Open today? I probably would never watch golf again if that happened. <laughs> Do we have that That's on a soundbite? Can happen. I put? Uh, did we record yeah, that? Yes, play, we have that recorded. You can okay. play it again. That's okay. how much I dislike that guy. Um, it, it actually yesterday was horrible that he when he's not around the lead, they don't show him that much, and that's fine with me. Right. Yesterday they showed him a bunch because he was he played well yesterday. I don't enjoy watching him play golf. I respect everything he's done to get to where he is completely change his body, do things completely differently than every other golfer on earth. I respect that, but I don't like the guy. And so, as with any sport, when you don't like somebody, you don't have a lot of fun watching them. I hope he shoots 88 today. How's that? 88. How's that for an answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's plenty of, plenty of time in the woods with, uh, with Deshaun. Yeah. Now, if we're, yeah. we like long shots on this show, Matthew. We're always looking for the value. We're looking for the guys way down. How far down this leaderboard can I go? Can I go past one under par, or is that even too far to try no, to find a I winner? Think, I think, uh, like, Dustin Johnson is at one under, right. and he's going to be a few groups ahead. If he goes out and shoots four or five under and puts a number up, they're going to have to chase him. But I don't think – I would say even uh, is probably – on the outside shot, maybe one over, but anybody under that, it's not on this golf course. I think it would be too hard to shoot 64 uh, and have somebody come from, from way back. I would say even an outside chance of plus one, but I think even or one under is probably as low as you go. Last group of the day, Hughes and Henley. Who should uh, The desert says Henley's a big favorite. Should I take Henley in this one? Uh Wait, the desert says Henley is a favorite yes. to win? No, in the matchup with Henley and Hughes. Oh, oh, this is a matchup. Yes. Then. I would take Henley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would take Henley. So when this is all said and done, we kind of like John Rahm still sitting. Right now we could get him at 11-1. to 1. Before the tournament, he was 10-1. to 1. That's who we're going with today to win this thing. Matthew Lawrence, golf expert here at ESPN Radio. Your choice to win this Open today. Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy. That's pretty good. Correct. He's 5-1, to one, so you're getting better odds than we are. Matthew Lawrence, okay. 
We appreciate your time. We uh, apologize for taking you away from your uh, busy round, very important round with uh, Kali out yeah. there. And yeah. we, we appreciate your time. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you've totally broken my momentum <laughs> here because I was I was playing so well. <laughs> there you go. Well, when you when you lose today, just blame it all on the bottom yeah. line. That's a lot of people I around do here that. do. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, you that. guys hit them straight today. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thanks. My pleasure, Brad. Have right, a buddy. good day. You too, buddy. Thanks. Hey, that's Matthew Lawrence, our golf expert. He says, Rory McIlroy, 5-1, to one, your choice to win the tournament today in the U.S. Open. We'll take John Rahm. We're getting a little better odds, a little better history. Eh, we'll take John Rahm. Hey, coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio. See what Angelo Carriero has to say. His show is coming up at 10 o'clock right here, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. We're in a hurry here, uh, but our good friend Angelo Carriero is desperate for people to talk to. So, Angelo, the table is yours. Somebody call me at 381-1313. Anybody call me at 381. No, I'm just uh, I'm just excited to be here with you, Brad, because I wanted to ask you about the uh, Game 7 last night. You saw Giannis versus KD, Brooklyn versus Milwaukee. Where was your money on? The wrong side. The wrong side? The wrong side. We were on Brooklyn. We're on Philly today. What we're on Philly today, game we're seven? We're definitely on Phoenix, though. Like Phoenix big in that one. Today. So do you think uh, if you did, a, uh, I mean, future odds is in next couple of weeks, uh, betting odds, favorites for the NBA title, who and why? Suns are the favorites right now. So Bucks are definitely the favorites out in the desert. They're minus 180. We went over this a minute ago. Where's the smart money on? Smart money? Probably on the Sixers right now, if they win today. Because you get extra value. If you think they're winning today... You're going to get them at about plus 400 a day, whereas tomorrow you get about plus 200. So if you think they're winning, today's the day to go on the Sixers, not tomorrow. Your choice for the NBA Finals right now. Uh, if I had a choice for the NBA Finals, I would have to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks? But I do like that. So you're saying bet Philly today and couple that with a future title odds since if you think they're going to win there today, they're go. going to win the whole See, time. You're I'm starting to learn, He's Brad learning. Taylor. We like Suns and uh, Sixers in the NBA Finals. He's Angelo Carriero. He is the best in the business at what he does. The only problem is we don't really know what he does. But he'll be in here <laughs> at 10 o'clock, and he is great. And you should make sure you call into his uh, show, 381-1313, and uh, have a great day of Sports Talk Radio. Make sure to tune into the Reds this afternoon at, uh, I forgot what time, but tune into the Reds, 345 this afternoon on ESPN Radio. Thanks again for listening. Uh, and as always, until the next time, may the winners be yours.